Hey guys, welcome back to episode 17 of Reading with Grace. Today we'll be picking up from chapter 28, but first a recap of chapters 23 through 27. Aaron's plan is in action as he is beginning to talk to the people of Quill about the terrible way things have become since Artime was discovered, and why he has the ideas to fix it. Ever since Alex told his friends about not being mage, Lonnie has been avoiding him. Alex tried to apologize to her, but it didn't go too well, and before he could try again, Simber made an announcement that Artime was being attacked. Quill had a small attack on Artime and killed the lead Jirino and a dear friend, RJ. Mr. Today held a mansion meeting to honor their friend and made a special connection with Alex. Sam, Heed, and Alex shared a nighttime stroll and discussed their parents. Alex soon after went on a walk to the gate to see Simber. They shared a touching moment where Simber told him he would always be there for Alex. Enjoy the episode! Twenty-eight, Magic and Quill Aaron and Gondolieri met daily now by the gate to the High Priest's Palace, a most peculiar-looking pair, though to the casual onlooker they appeared simply to be a young man with his grandmother, a deceptively innocent combination. Thus they became nearly invisible to the Quilletary over time. Every day the two were inseparable as they quietly concealed angry wanteds and lured them with food to their way of thinking. Aaron, after a few days with Gondolieri, took a chance and told her where he was getting the food. He brought her with him to see the favored farm and showed her how easy it was to pick fruit and vegetables. And while Gondolieri had heard of this place from the high priest, she had no concept in her head of what it could be like, and had never gone into it because it was a necessary job. This place reminds me of where I grew up. People planted things, Gondolieri said. She'd been thinking about her childhood a lot lately now that she'd had her memory back. Each person grew their own and brought the extras to a market once a week for the people who had no place to grow things, and those people would buy it, she said. Aaron narrowed his eyes. What's buy it mean? Exchange valuable coin for it. The coins could trade for anything, and everyone wanted more coins, so that was the best thing to have. Strange, Aaron said glancing over his shoulder to see if the guard was watching, and then shoving a handful of berries into his mouth and chewing thoughtfully. You can't eat these coins, can you? So what good are they? No, you can't eat them, but you can buy food with them and other things. Anne shrugged, disinterested. What else is there need except food? It sounds like extra work, trading coins for other things we can just go to get the other things. Gondolieri wolfed down some grapes and nodded. They kept making coins until everyone had hundreds and thousands of them, and then they weren't valuable at all anymore. Aaron furrowed his brow, trying to make sense of it, but it sounded completely crazy to him, and soon he forgot all about it. They picked their four items each that they were not stealing, showed them to the guard, and then went on their way. There was something else Aaron wanted to ask Gondolieri, and finally he ventured. You said that when Mr. Today gave you back your memories, he also gave you back your magic. Does that mean you have magical powers like Mr. Today and the Artemians? Gondolieri hobbled along next to him. Maybe, she said. Aaron salivated. As much as he hated the creativity behind magic, it was still a powerful weapon to have on their side. You aren't sure? She narrowed her eyes at him. I'm not sure of anything, she said, including you, so I'm not going to answer that question. Aaron bristled slightly. Fair enough, he muttered. I thought that you might have noticed how much trust I've put in you, how much food I've given you, and now I've showed you the secret of the favorite farm, which is practically our own private stash. But no matter... He tried not to feel vulnerable, but he was suddenly afraid he'd made a big mistake in showing Gondolieri the farm. "'Keep doing what you're doing to upend Artime, and maybe one day I will tell you,' the old woman said. As it stood, she wasn't quite sure what she could do magically. So far, it wasn't much, but Aaron didn't need to know that. 
I have no other plans than to just do that, Aaron said lightly. We have ourselves quite a group of supporters now who have already enthusiastically made a mark on Artemay. Thirty-three at last count, including two governor's sons, which I'm very pleased about. I intend to grow our group to a majority in Quill so that we might take over the palace, get rid of Halugi and Artemay, and return to the beautiful peace we once had in Quill. Do I have your full support? Of course, Gondolieri said. You have my full support to restore Quill, but that doesn't mean you get all my secrets. Aaron almost sniped back. I don't want all your secrets, just the one. But he held his tongue and nodded, returning his demeanor to caring and friendly. As they approached the gate for the second time that day, Aaron saw a familiar figure waiting for them. They drew near, and Aaron held out his hand to the woman in greeting. Ah, he said grandly, my dear Eva Fathom. He bowed over her fingertips. What news do you bring us from the mansion? Twenty-nine. A new spell. Alex, Lonnie, Megan, and Sam Heed stood with hundreds of other Artemians in two rows that stretched from the side of the lawn in the mansion all the way to the edge of the jungle. The rows faced each other twenty yards apart, and Florence thundered between them, giving instructions on advanced magical warrior training. She called this session advanced, though last year it was just called regular old ordinary magical warrior training, because after several very frustrating sessions with the necessaries and unwanteds together, it became clear that certain new Artemians were in need of a very basic class. More of a let's see if you can actually pull this off before we put you in the action sort of class. Lonnie's little brother Henry, ten years old but still about the size of a gargoyle, and if you ask Lonnie, similar to a gargoyle in looks as well, was a quirky boy who asked a lot of questions and carried around a magnifying glass in case he needed to examine things, which he often stopped to do, to Lonnie's exasperation. But Henry was also exceptional at magic and took to it very quickly, so he joined the advanced class with his sister and her friends. They actually really liked the boy. He was clever and a hard worker and took his spells very seriously. But Lonnie's mother was one such Artemian who perhaps needed improvement in Florence's eyes. And there were many others, most like them adults, curiously enough, while the younger necessaries were quite able to pick up the art organically. So the beginning magical warrior training class was born. The beginners were originally assigned to watch the advanced students, taking notes and trying things. But after several accidents around the community, it was decided that they were no longer allowed to actually touch any components at this time. So Alex and his friends waited patiently while Florence instructed the beginners, young and old alike, on what to watch for. Even Eva Fathom was there, watching with interest on the sidelines and taking notes. Alex fingered the new heart-shaped component in his pocket, eager to give it a try. He was very proud of this particular creation. It was likely his most powerful spell yet, and he was already working on a lethal level spell to it. It scared and thrilled him just to think about it, and a little chill ran up his spine and quivered at the back of his neck. He hadn't felt this excited since... Well, since the last time he began magical warrior training. Maybe it was because he had worked so hard for it back then, or because he'd grown somewhat unfairly held back from it originally. But deep down, Alex thought he knew what was so exciting about battle. It was because he was, to put it boldly, quite amazingly good at fighting. He smiled to himself as he realized it. It was totally true. Alex was a great fighter, and he was also an excellent spell builder. One of the best. Mr. Today said so. So did Simber and Mr. Appleblossom and Miss Morning, and especially Miss Octavia, who knew his skill level was far beyond many others his age. "'What are you smiling at?' Lonnie whispered. Alex startled and looked at her. He grinned even bigger and sort of goofily because he realized that Lonnie was just as excellent in different ways. She was extremely stealthy and sly, and no one ever had to worry much about her. She could naturally get out of any pinch with her fast thinking and her intricate moves. Lonnie grinned too. 
What? she asked again, and then she laughed. Why are we smiling? Alex just looked at her, and his heart clutched and sputtered. We're awesome, he said finally. I'm smiling because we are awesome. Lonnie laughed again and shook her head. You are such a dork. But she said it in the sweetest way a girl could ever say it to a guy. It was crazy. Alex felt like he was finally getting his energy back after the last battle, and I hadn't even known he'd lost it until this excitement surged through him this past few weeks. He bounced on his toes in anticipation, focused now on the unwanted opposite of him. A woman who'd been purged about ten years ago, whom Alex had thought he'd seen around with a baby recently. He didn't know her name, but she flashed a cheeky grin at Alex and gave him a nod that said, Bring it. As Florence counted down nearby, Alex put all his focus into the heart-shaped bit of clay between his fingers. And when she shouted, Fire! Alex pulled his arm back and whispered, Heart attack! And then sent it forward in the fluid motion of a true artist, who knows that speed isn't important, only focuses. The little heart led its fingers and sprouted tiny white wings, which gave it an incredible range. It sealed perfectly at the woman who still grinned, knowing she'd get him back in a minute. It struck her in the chest. With the smile melting from her lips, the woman's eyes grew wide, and then she collapsed to the ground, her body in spasms. A few seconds later, she stopped moving. Alex gasped. The roar of the crowd around Alex sounded far away, as all the others let go of their components, and the row opposite them erupted into the strangest fits anyone had ever seen. Some ran away screaming, some flew backward and were pinned to the great wall. Others hopped around and still others froze and didn't move. There was complete silence from the beginner students who watched in fear and a momentary collective pause from Alex's row as they peered to see what their opponents ended up with and then a cheer. They ran immediately to their counterparts to release the spells, but Alex wasn't cheering. He ran to the woman he'd hit. Her body had curled up on the ground, still and pale as if death itself. Alex's stomach twisted in fear. What if it was a little too strong? He hurried to release the spell. A tense moment passed and Florence approached. She looked at the woman and turned to Alex alarmed. What spell? A new one, Alex said, ripping his fingers through his hair anxiously. I call it heart attack. His own heart sank into his gut as Lonnie, Sam, Megan, and a dozen other unwanteds gathered around to see what the fuss was about. Florence never, one to panic, patted Alex's shoulder. Okay, it'll be fine. Look, she's coming around now. The color slowly returned to the woman's cheeks and her eyelids fluttered. She rolled to her stomach, coughed, and pushed herself up on one elbow, a dazed look on her face. Alex sucked in a breath and let it out in a loud, relieved whoosh. Wow, he said. Sorry about that. He held his hand out to her and she took it, gently getting up, slowly. Are you okay? After a minute, she grinned weakly and shook her head in wonder at that boy. That, she said, was quite an experience. She coughed a few times as Florence examined her. I'm really sorry, Alex said again. And then the woman looked at Alex in the eye and said very seriously, no, don't be. I mean it. That was intense. I'd do just about anything for you, Alex, if you'd make me a dozen of those. She strained her vest and wiped a few blades of grass from her elbow. As soon as possible, please. That's the worst spell I've ever seen, or felt, or experienced. And by worst, I mean best. Alex let out a rattled laugh, still slightly unnerved. Okay, sure, he said. No problem. The woman held out her hand. I'm Karina, she said. Karina Fathom. You can find me in the family hallway. Alex relaxed a little bit when he heard her last familiar name. Alex Stowe, he said, giving her hand a firm shake. I'll make some for you, I promise. The woman chuckled. You're so modest. Don't you realize that everybody here knows who you are? In our hallway, you're known as the guy to stand behind if we ever have to go to battle again. She laughed. That's a pretty big compliment. Alex felt his face heat up. Wow, he said, feeling extremely awkward. He thought he was still regarded as the one who had almost ruined everything. He felt a heavy hand on his shoulder and looked up to Florence, who had a very pleased look on her face. Okay, everybody, she said, back to work. 
The crowd dispersed back to their rows, but Florence kept her hand on Alex's shoulder as they walked more slowly than the others and stopped halfway. When no one else was within listening distance, she faced him and spoke in a low voice. You are a true warrior. Alex blushed again and looked at the ground. I'm going to need two things from you, Alex. Yes, he said, looking back up. A thousand heart attack components, after you supply your test victim first, of course, and your presence at a private magical weapons meeting with Miss Octavia, Mr. Today, Simber, Miss Morning, and me. Mr. Today's office immediately after this session. Can you make that? The excitement inside of Alex grew until it nearly burst forth from his skin. You got it, he said. He turned to run back to the line and then hesitated. Florence? Yes. Can I bring my friends? They're awfully good at spells, too. We help each other a lot, and they have a lot of skills I don't have. He bit his lip, hoping he hadn't asked too much. Florence narrowed her eyes. Which ones? You mean the three you're so tight with? Haluki Burkish Ranger, right? Alex nodded. Florence considered it for a moment, and then she said, I think that's a very good idea. Alex grinned. Thank you. He turned and was running back toward the shore of the spot where the others waited patiently when something on the water caught his eye. He stopped and squinted, bringing his hand to his forehead to shield the sun. His jaw dropped. What the? It was the strangest thing he'd ever seen. He shouldered past his friends and kept going. Lonnie turned in surprise, and then she caught sight of it, too. She sprinted after Alex and reached him just as he dove into the sea and swam out to it. Call Mr. Today, Alex shouted as he surfaced. Hurry! He reached toward and spun around on his back, kicking into his feet and trying to pull the thing toward the shore. Florence! Anybody! Help! 30. Visitors Sam, Heat, and Megan both came running and helped Alex pull the thing ashore. They'd never seen anything like it, but it didn't take much to guess its purpose. It was a makeshift raft of logs and vines. Several logs were missing as if it had fallen apart on its tedious journey. But that's not what the people of Artime were looking at as they gathered around, for lying on the raft were two young people. At least they looked somewhat human, but if pressed, one might have to admit to being unsure. A boy of ten or eleven, perhaps a girl a few years older, both completely still, eyes closed. Their skin was badly sunburned, and they had very little more than that covering their bones. But the most ominous feature was this. Each wore a most curious, sinister thing. A thick band made of metal thorns that weaved in and out of their skin around their necks. Alex, who had cautiously stepped onto the raft and now kneeled between the two, stared at the girl with her patched lips and burned, peeling skin, the choker so embedded into her neck that it seemed to be part of her. Alex's stomach twisted at the thought of someone threading that into her skin. He reached out to touch it. Who are you? He whispered, but there was no time to puzzle over things. Lonnie, who had immediately run to get Mr. Today, now returned at full speed, the old mage in her wake, his robe flying behind him. They had to break through the crowd that rushed over at Alex's first frantic shout. Alex and Megan kneeled around the two bodies as Sam Heat and a few others barked at everyone to back away and give them space to move. Mr. Today dropped to his knees at the side of the girl and fell for a pulse. Alex turned and put his head on the boy's chest. He held his hand above the boy's nose and mouth. I think he's alive, he said. Mr. Today looked up. The girl is too. Let's get them inside. Alex, remember the sick wing we created in the mansion where you spent so much time? I need you to recreate that for me immediately. I'm sending you the verbal component. Check your pocket. Go! Florence ordered the crowd to get back to the lawn and continue with class. Alex had no idea how he was going to create a sick wing, but it didn't hesitate. He sped to the mansion. Megan, please find Miss Morning and tell her we have a sick and injured. She'll know what to do. Got it, Megan said, and she took off. Sam Heed, can you pick up the boy slowly and carefully, please, and follow me? In the mansion, Alex, still dripping wet, wriggled his hand into his pocket and pulled out the sodden note from Mr. Today. 
He stood between the front entrance and the dining room, read over the words, concentrating, and then took a deep breath to calm himself. He didn't want to mess this up. He held his shaking hand up to the wall and said, Extend and heal, sigh small. Nothing happened. Alex muttered under his breath, and then louder and more forcefully, Come on, Stowe. He closed his eyes, took a deep breath, and shook his arms out to loosen them. You can do this. Believe it. He let out a breath and opened his eyes. Concentrating, he allowed everything around him to fade to a blur, and he stared hard at the wall. Then he held up his hand again, feeling the power it contained. He focused another second or two and then said it again, with great purpose and confidence. Extend and heal. Size small. He held his pose, frozen and determined, staring at the wall. When it began to waver in front of him, he wasn't sure if he was about to faint or if it was really moving. It only took a second to find out. The wall shimmered and then a piece of the size of a doorway pushed back, first creating a space the size of a large closet, then expanding in all directions until it nearly the dimensions of Alex's room. From one newly formed wall, beds, tables, and chairs dropped down. Countertops and cupboards pushed out of another wall, with medical tools and supplies on carts grew up from the floor. Just as the last piece settled into place, the mansion door pushed open and Mr. Today and Sam Heed walked in, each carrying one of the strangers. They hurried into the room and laid them on their beds. Mr. Today uttered a few healing spells over them in a calm, soothing voice. Soon, Miss Morning rushed in with a woman and a man, who Alex recognized as nurses from when he spent time in here. Alex, still standing in a puddle of water near the opening to the hospital wing, shuffled forward a few steps and stared at the room of the strangers. Where did they come from? Who were they? The girl, despite her sunburn and her pinched, starved look, had such a perfect, exotic face. And the boy's choker ornament must have been more recent. The skin around the thorns was swollen and scabbed over. Alex imagined their story, their world. Had they been rafting for fun and gotten swept away with the current? Were they fishing out and the storm came up? He pictured the exotic-looking girl trying to be strong as the two faced the huge sea alone, trying to act brave in front of the younger boy. Trying to stay awake and alive. He found himself drawn to her, admiring her, and he didn't even understand why. A soft hand on his arm and a voice near his ear startled him back to reality. He turned and saw Lonnie. Oh, hey, he said weakly. I didn't hear you come in. Thirty-one. The world gets bigger. You should go change your clothes, Lonnie said. I'll clean this up. Alex looked down to the puddle under his feet. Oh, wow, yeah, thanks. I'll be right back. He bounded up the stairs two at a time, entered the boys' hallway, and went into his room. What happened to you? Clive said, his face pushing out from the blackboard. Alex ran past Clive to his room. Tell you in a second, he said. One, Clive said, liar. Alex changed his clothes and came back out, running a comb through his tangled mess of hair. Two strangers on a raft landed on our beach, he said, breathing hard. Clive's expression brightened. Ooh, he said. Where are they from? One of the islands out there? Not that I know much about the islands. I don't get to see anything but you, he sniffed. I just hear things. Nobody knows. They're not conscious. He tossed a comb onto the bed and headed for the door. I've got to go. Bye. Clive mumbled something about incoherent as the door slammed and Alex bounded back down the stairs. Thanks, Alex said to Lonnie, who cleaned up the water with the dry spell she made up on the fly. No problem, she said. I tried to go in and see what's going on, but Miss Morning said we should just give them some space right now. She looked disappointed. Did you see the things around their necks? Alex asked. Yeah, that's so strange. I wonder where they're from. Lonnie shrugged. Who knows? They walked out of the mansion and spied Megan and Sam Heat at the shore by the raft. They headed toward them. Advanced magical warrior training was still going on, but none of them felt like doing it right now. There was too much to talk about. They examined the raft, but found no clues to its origin. It's just a bunch of sticks tied together, Lonnie said. Anything on the other side? No, just some slime, Sam Heed said. I flipped it over already. 
Alex looked out to sea. It was almost impossible to see the islands during the day, unless he knew exactly where they were. They were most visible when the sun set behind them, highlighting the fact that they were stationary and the sea moved in swells all around. I wonder, he said. His friends followed his gaze. I don't know where else they could have come from, Megan said. It's the only logical guess. Are there any other islands on the other side of ours? Hamid asked. Has anybody been all the way around Quill on the outside of the wall? No, said Alex, who'd only ever been about a quarter of the way around Quill via boat when he'd gone to the palace with Mr. Today. But I bet I know who has, he grinned. Come on. They walked quickly around the practicing students to the gate where Simber stood static. I have a strange feeling you four are up to no good, Simber remarked when they approached. We're totally innocent, Megan said. We were just wondering about the kids on the raft and where they might have come from. Hard to say, Simber said, sampling the air as he spoke. Are there islands on the other side of Quill? None of us have been all the way around, Alex said. But you've flown up above the barbed wire ceiling, haven't you? Haven't you been to the other side? I have, Simber said. He raised an eyebrow, tempted to make them beg for his attention, as cats are wont to do with humans, but gave in to their eager faces and continued. There are three islands to the west. You can see two of them from our shore. Alex and Sam Heat exchanged a glance. Three? And three islands to the east. The giant cheetah brought his left paw to his mouth and gnawed at Antonio for a moment. When he was finished, he said, We're in exactly the middle of a train. Wow, Bonnie said, awed. When she wasn't riding on his back, she generally stayed several steps away from the statue, as they had their alterations in the past. One couldn't be too cautious, and she was never sure of Simber's mood. Seven islands, Alex said, so the strangers could be from any one of them. But if you factor in the ocean's currents, Lonnie said, which is really strong right here, by the way, that would make it more likely for some and less likely for others. She just learned about currents from an old book up on the archives floor of the library called Bodies of Water. Sam, he'd raised an eyebrow. Okay, smart stuff. So which way does the current flow? Wait, don't answer that. I think I know from swimming out there. Lonnie grinned at him. Go for it. It flows west, he hesitated. No, I mean east. Which is it? Alex asked. East, Sam Mead said, sure this time. I'm sure. The current flows east, which means it starts in the west and goes east, because west is the direction the raft came from. That's the direction of the islands we can see, right? Because that's where the sun sets, right? So it's most likely one of those three aren't that way, right, Lonnie? That's my guess. Simmer coughed lightly, and they all turned to look at him. Aren't you supposed to be in class? He said pointedly. We're skipping, Alex said proudly, feeling sneaky and brave at the same time. I can see that, Simber said. However, it doesn't feel quite right to congratulate you. The big cat stifled a smile. Alex shrugged. To understand the rules, one must first break the rules, he said wisely. Lonnie gave him a quizzical look. Who said that? she asked. Me, duh, Alex said. I made it up. Sam Heed snorted. Come on, guys, before Simber decides to mutilate us. Simber growled lightly as if in warning, but the four grinned. See you at the meeting, Simber said. Maybe you should prepare. Alex's eyes widened. Oh, crud bucket, I forgot all about it. Wait, you have another meeting? Lonnie said, trying to contain her disgust. She made amends with Alex, but that still didn't make her like the fact that to Mr. Today hadn't asked her to lead. We all do, Alex said. You guys are coming too. I totally forgot to tell you. That's what Florence was talking to me about when the raft showed up. Simber cleared his throat loudly, which startled the four into moving quickly away. Florence wants us four to come to the meeting about magical weapons today, right after class. I can't believe I forgot. 
Alex began to trot toward the mansion. Come on, we've got an hour. We need to bring our best spells and any other ideas we have. The other three traded curious looks and police smiles as they broke into a run after Alex. They entered the mansion and had to straight past the new sick wing to the tubes, all shouting, Library? Yes, go! at once. A moment later, they disappeared, 